Hey friends, welcome to the Next Step Leadership Podcast, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. I'm Tracy Reynolds, and my partner for the Next Step Journey is Chris Maxwell. Together we hope to inspire, assist, and create the confidence you need to take your next step in your personal growth, spiritual growth, vocation, or even your calling. Thanks for joining us. Well, come on, let's dive into this week's episode of Next Step Leadership. I'm Chris Maxwell, and I'm having another conversation with my friend Tracy Reynolds uh, in Next Step Leadership. Tracy, uh, how did you feel as we were having this, this conversation in our last podcast with Doug? You know, any day I make a new friend is a good day. Mm-hmm. And uh, Doug Bursch, I feel like we're cut out of the same piece of cloth. Obviously, we're both Christ followers, but uh, I love your heart, Doug. I love your heart for pastors, and uh, uh, I look forward to our continued conversation. Welcome back, my friend. Well, I'm glad you're having me back for the second one. I'm enjoying this conversation as well. Well, I told you, I, was, I, I, don't, I didn't tell the listeners, but we were, I was tilling up my garden for my wife. It was about four hours behind a rototiller, and so I heard about half of your book doing that, uh, your last book, um, and I, Posting Peace. Hey, I love the title. It's Posting Peace, Why Social Media Divides Us and What We Can Do About It. So thanks for not leaving us you know, with just the problem. I appreciate it. And there really is some good stuff in there, and your story's in there, but why, why that and why now? What Where did that come from? Well, I think uh, anyone listening to this podcast realizes that it just seems like social media is becoming more divisive than ever before. And so my issue is, well, why is it becoming divisive? So part of the book is just looking at the science behind it. And it's not just that people are bad people and they were better in the past and they're bad today. That I really wanted people to look at, and this is through my doctoral work as well, why... uh, especially internet communication leads to divisive, devouring conversations. So that's half of it. The other part is uh, I believe in the ministry of reconciliation, that any Mm -hmm. communication that we do, whether in person or online, is for the purpose of what Paul said. We've been entrusted with the ministry of reconciliation, which is that I want to communicate in a way that brings people closer to God or more open to God's reconciling power, and then also communicate in any way that breaks down the dividing walls of hostility between me and another brother or sister on this planet. And so I've also noticed online that Christians have missed that that they get led into areas of being right instead of being reconciling. And if we don't know the difference between being right and reconciling, uh, we can do damage to our relationships and damage to the witness of Christ. Beautifully said. I, I love Paul's writing in 2 Corinthians 5 where he talks about the reality that we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. Tell us a bit, unpack that a bit for us. Yeah. Well, this is one of the things, I probably my biggest alienation with the church in general, the popular culture expression of Christianity, uh, we have a clear assignment, is that we were once enemies of God, and that Christ reconciled us to God through the cross, and that we've been entrusted with the same ministry. So anything that I communicate is for the purpose of bringing you into the light and into life. And uh, here's just an example. One thing I talk about in the book is uh, partisan communication. Now, we're all political. Everyone's political. If you're going to vote, you need to have a political opinion. But there's a difference between being political and being partisan. A partisan spirit uh, tends to be in our culture is I want my side to win, your side to lose, uh, for us to be victorious, for you to go back with your tail between your legs. 
basically a destroying, devouring mentality that my America versus your America. As Christians, we're not called to adopt that spirit. If I believe politically, let's say I'm right and someone else is wrong, I communicate in a reconciling spirit, which is that I love them and I believe they're in the wrong and out of love I'm communicating because I want them to come to this truth. I want them to come into the light. And so that goal is different. So the goal is first and foremost, I want them to know I love them, I value them, I respect them, that the reason I'm communicating is that I'm communicating to them the way I'd want someone to communicate to me, that I've, I've, I've misunderstood something and I want them to be a part of what I'm a part of. That's a different spirit than the partisan spirit we see. And so we see Christians say, you know, facts don't care about your feelings and I'm right and truth is truth. But truth without love is no longer Christ's truth. And love without truth is no longer Christ's truth. These seem so simple. But when I look at how Christians communicate, even other pastors communicate online, I do not see the love of Christ. I don't see a reconciling spirit. The goal becomes I just want to win. And we will ridicule people. We will belittle people. We will partner with people who who do not remotely have a reconciling spirit because they agree with what we agree with. Christianity can't just be agreed upon doctrines. It has to also be the right. spirit behind that doctrine. And if we know anything about the Pharisees, is often they actually said stuff that was kind of right on paper, but they said it with the wrong heart and the wrong spirit. And Jesus challenged that more than anything else because he said, you're not about my kingdom. You're about your power, your control, your dynamics. So that's the passion here of reconciliation is that every my first interaction with someone should be for the purpose of making them see God in a better light, and breaking down the dividing walls of hostility. And my last interaction should would be with that goal as well. And we see Christians where their only interaction is fighting, ridicule, and then blocking and muting and disengaging. I think that's an antichrist spirit. So I know that sounds pretty harsh, but in the most gentle way, I try to encourage people, let's do what God has entrusted us to do, which is to be light and life throughout the world, and particularly yeah. online. Mm. That's powerful uh, and convicting uh, comments that you're making. Uh, tell us some more uh, from the book, some ways that we can uh, just live this out mm. uh, as leaders, as, as, as people who are trying to be followers of Christ, uh, and let love be that, that key that we're all singing life in. Yeah. Well, I, I want to give an area where technology, and this will help pastors, any technology is like this, by the way, uh, Technology has the ability to extend human capacity, but it weakens the human capacity it extends. Uh, Marshall McLuhan, a technological theorist, said this. So, for instance, uh, the car. What does the car extend? The car extends the human capacity to walk. So it actually extends our feet. It allows us to walk farther than ever we can go for miles. Is that a good thing? Yeah, I think it's a good thing. But as it extends our human capacity, it weakens it. So what are humans not able to do as much anymore? We can't walk very much. We're lazy. We're, we're, you know, we're putting on weight. We're struggling because we've used that technology and it's replaced our natural ability. Social media is the same way. What's the strength of it? It allows us to have connection, human connection with more people than ever before. That's a strength. It's extended that capacity. But it's also weakened our capacity to exist with people through conflict. And this is what I'm seeing, is that we have more opportunity than ever before to connect with people, and because of that, we're treating people as throwaways. Like, if I get in a conflict with you, it doesn't matter. I can find somebody else. 
And so instead of valuing the fact that we can connect with more people than ever, we're devaluing and dehumanizing human relationships because they're so easy to have. If you go back into olden times, let's say even before the car, how many human relationships could you even have? Only within walking distance, maybe, or you, you right. hook up the, the horse and cart, right? So why did people go through conflicts and try to reconcile and maintain relationship? Were they just more righteous in the past versus mm-hmm. today? Well, they did it because they had to. Because if you didn't learn how to get along with your neighbors, there's no one to talk to. You can't go online and form another group of people who hate your neighbors. That's it. If you don't learn how to get along with there's only two or three churches in town, then you just don't have a church. You don't have any Christian community. So this is the strength and the weakness of the age we live in. This technology is going to make relationships seem more expendable. But they're not expendable to Christ. And so I need to treat relationships in this way, like this is an important person. They're not expendable. They're not throwaway. And I need to, at some level, treat them like I treat someone who comes into the doors of our church, where I try as best as I can to welcome them into this community and to value who they are as human beings. And so that's one of the areas I, I ask Christians, we, we should humanize the dialogue. Here's a practical one. Uh, talk about people online as if they're in the room with you. Yeah. Anybody, whether it's a celebrity, I did this with my radio show, like if they were in the room with you, would you say these things to them? And if you wouldn't, then don't say it online. Mm. That humanizes it immediately. Have you ever seen like town hall online? A town hall online is not a town hall because town halls were originally in the room together, right? Mm. And if you did something wrong in a town hall and you said something stupid or terrible, the guy next to you might punch you in the face, <laughs> right? So not that you should punch someone in the face, but <laughs> online we're anonymous, we'll never connect with each other, and so we're engaging in behaviors we never would do in person. So those are some of the areas, you know, to humanize it, truth and love, pull away from the internet, and spend time with the Father. If Jesus had to spend time with the Father, then we got to spend time with the Father, because what's the strength of the internet? Immediate communication. What's the weakness? Mm. Immediate communication. communication. So we have to learn the strengths of the technology. I'm not against it, but see how those strengths can also become weaknesses and then make sure we don't fall into those same traps where the immediacy of the technology becomes something that partners with our anger or frustration of the moment, and we do a lot of toxic things. I think of two things. Uh, One, adding value, that if I'm thinking about every encounter that, that I have with another individual in any context, that... I'm, not, I'm either subtracting or I'm adding. And, and sometimes adding value would be just simply you know, engaging and listening intently, trying to understand. And that's the other one, you know, trying to understand. Yeah. Not assuming that I know, but, but listening, not just to hear the words, but hear what, what you're actually trying to communicate so that I can um, perhaps empathize uh, with, with what's going on and gain some understanding. Yeah, and it's hard. But th- to me, what's the goal of any interaction online? You have to decide that in front. You know, what is mm. it? And if the goal is just for my opinion to be validated, then I'm probably not going to be a reconciling person. My goal is this, is that someone would know that God loves them and I care about them. And that takes time. For instance, even if someone tells you something true and they don't know you, do you listen to someone, a stranger comes up to you and says, you know, this is what you need to do in your marriage. Like if you're in the, if you're in the store and you're having an argument with your wife, and a stranger comes up to you and says, you know, sir, you shouldn't treat your wife that way. And even if they're right, 
do you want to listen to that person? In general, you don't, right? You're upset. You're defensive. But if a friend, if a brother or a sister or someone in the church who knows you comes up and says, you know, hey, Doug, I love you, but I've noticed you're just being grumpy with your wife. And what's that about, right? So online, we think we're going to change the world by giving advice to strangers that don't even know if we care about them. So the first step with the atheist who's angry with me is not to yell at them. It's like to understand why they're so angry with me as right. a stranger. You know, there's, and if I can bring some communication, and, and you know this happens. If somebody's really upset at me as a pastor, and they'll say something extreme. Oh, you pastors are in it for the money. And instead of defending myself, I'm like, well, tell me more about that. Yeah. And then I'm sorry that happened. I'd like to know. I, you know, I might disagree with you on that, but I care about your perspective. And what you'll find is either they'll de-escalate. They'll be like, I'm sorry, I've just been hurt by other pastors. And you'll find a human. A human will rise up beyond that bitterness. And now you have a relationship. Or you'll find someone who's just so angry, they're going to troll yeah. you and treat you terribly. And then for their own sake, you mute or block them because you don't want to lead them into sin. You don't want to lead them to sin against you more. So you love them and you kind of hand them over like, you're just harming me and harming others and um, you know, bless them. But that is a human relationship. It's not has nothing to do with whether they I defended or didn't defend pastors and I I, I won the argument. I just am not interested in winning arguments. Well, actually, I am interested in winning arguments, but I know that that's not the way the gospel advances. Right. It advances through love and relationship, and then truth partners with that. It isn't it sad though that um, we live in a culture where if we are going to have that conversation, that sensitive, face to face, honest authentic conversation with someone else who's a part of our church family, if it doesn't go well, yeah. they will choose to no longer be a part of the church family. Yeah. Um, we, we, we move and shift so quickly instead of enduring dialogue yeah. and moving toward healing. Um, we, we want the, the pleasure and the approval and everything to just go smooth and simple instead of let's deal with the deep issues and even the disagreements. Yeah. Can't we disagree with someone and still in, in certain issues and still sit beside them, stand beside them, worship with them and learn with them? Yeah. No, it's, it's a huge thing for a pastor. I'm a pastor of 22 years. Uh, the biggest issue I think is people will not repent. They will not apologize. They will not admit to weakness. They will not allow you to pastor them. Uh, I, now, I know there's terrible pastors who are controlling and manipulative and abusive. But I'll tell you this. I, I'm, I'm like, I've never yelled at anyone in our church. I'm, this is me. You know, this is the... Mm -hmm. But I, people are attracted to the grace and the love and the acceptance. Mm -hmm. But I share this in my first book, The Community of God. I remember there was this couple where their kids were just getting in trouble. And it was about the kids. They're just two teenage boys that are getting in trouble. I love them, but... The parents always thought it was someone else. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> yeah. if everyone in the world was persecuting their kids, right? And I, and I, I had this kind of dialogue. I've been in our church, you know, a few years. I'm, I'm like, do you consider me your pastor? Yes. Would you like my opinion? This is the level. <laughs> and then I said, my opinion is this might not be about whatever they were upset, this teacher. This might be about your boys and they struggle to get along with people. The woman got upset, swore at me, pounded on the desk and left. And I never saw her again. And it reminded me of how hard ministry is, right? Because people don't want to look at that. But why don't they want to look at that? It's often an issue of worth, that they think their worth mm -hmm. and their value is based on being right. And right. so when you point out something they're doing wrong or could do better, they think you're attacking their worth and their mm -hmm. value. So that's where I have to have grace, that this woman had a very low self-worth. 
she thought I was attacking her versus I'm trying to come alongside to help her with because her boys are going to keep getting in trouble. But unless you get worth settled, people won't take advice. They won't listen. So I think you know that as well as, as a pastor. Same with other pastors. Like pastors won't grow. If a pastor has a low self-worth and they're trying to gain their worth through ministry, they're dangerous. Mm-hmm. You have to settle before you go into ministry, before you go into any conversation of God is my worth, God is my value, and God is this mm-hmm. person's worth and value, and anything I'm doing is to try to point to Jesus. Otherwise, it's battling over power and worth and control and all those terrible things we see in the church. So good. One of the things that I appreciated about posting peace was the practical steps you put at the end of each of the chapters. There were some things, and it wasn't just one thing. It was here, here's an option. If you don't like that, try this option. Uh, thanks for, for doing that. I, I think sometimes as pastors, and even in our, our teachings or preachings, we'll stop a bit short of, okay, what's the next step? Mm-hmm. The most important question being, well, so what? What's that got to do with me? You know, but I appreciate that, you, that you've done that in the book. Well, I tried to do this, and that's why I do think yeah, Posting Peace works well with small groups. Uh, churches mm-hmm. could go through it. I even have online if a pastor wanted to preach through it. And I have, like, uh, if anyone wants to contact me, I have some uh, boxes of books, and I will send a box of books books to someone just to help within your church. Uh, not to everyone, but uh, every once in a while I do that. <laughs> but uh, I'm not making any money off this. It's purely a, a vision idea. No. But I, I don't like giving people, I don't like being an intermediary. I don't like telling people you should do this, this, and that. So I tend to not give a lot of prescriptive things, but I do like to facilitate environments where people listen to the voice of God. So mm. I ask questions at the end. I like and, and put people on journeys where I think they'll discover something. And so I have posting peace challenges where I ask them to do certain things that I think God will speak to them as they do this. For instance, one of the practical ones is go through your last two, three, four weeks. You can do four months if you want, but two or three or four weeks of communication online and just read it. And then kind of put those things in categories and say, does this reflect who I am? If, if I were to die today, is this what I would want people to read at my funeral? Is it all just political stuff? Is it all just what, whatever it is? Does this reflect what I really care about and view? Mm-hmm. And just doing that alone will radically change how we communicate. And so I ask those questions and then ask people to engage those things. And it might be different for different people. That's why I can't say you should do more or less communication. It depends on the person, their well-being, their calling. Yeah. That's so good. Well, Doug, how can people contact you? How can we? I don't think you're very hard to find. I didn't have any trouble finding, but but what are, we're gonna post it in the show notes. But tell us the best ways to reach you. You just pray and you follow the glory cloud. You know? <laughs> yeah. Well, for those of us that can't quite reach that level, uh, communicate to us about. By the way, I don't. I don't I think if you do that, you're not gonna find me. Uh, <laughs> but actually, uh, yeah, Doug Burst. You can search. I have fairlyspiritual.org postingpeace.com.org. There's so many ways to avoid what I do. You can, If you search me, you'll find me. If you don't want to find me, uh, you won't find me. So uh, yeah, fairlyspiritual.org is a great place to go. Oh man, I just appreciate this this time with you, the, the conversations. And just give us kind of a couple of closing sentences, how you want to end this. We, we end with the phrase, uh, you know, just finding ways to make our next steps, our best steps. But I want you to end it this time. Just kind of our kind of our goodbye, just a, a a benediction for us as we end this. Well, I end almost every service with the words, "Make room for the Lord; He knows you by name." And uh, first mm-hmm. and foremost, that you have a personal God who understands you; He knows you by name. You're not a generic a number. You're not a principle. You're a person that God dearly loves. And when you make room for God, 
you make room for his presence and his leading, he comes to encourage you. And I think some people might be avoiding God because you're afraid of what God will say, or you're equating God to maybe an earthly parent who wasn't so loving. But God is for you. The cross is an expression of God being for you. So even if you receive correction, it's correction for your benefit and for the advancement of the kingdom Mm -hmm. of God. So make room for the Lord. Don't hide out. Make room for him. Make room for the Lord in healthy community. He knows you by name. And then all you have to do is take the next step. You can't take all those steps. So just take the next step and trust that God will be in each faith step as you move towards light and life. Thanks for joining us on Next Step Leadership, the weekly conversation dedicated to your personal growth and leadership development. Chris and I are so glad you dropped in. You can find us on all your favorite podcast providers. Do us a favor and hit subscribe. And if you really want to help us, give us a rating. We so appreciate your support. Check out our show notes for more information regarding guest contact information. Chris Maxwell's 11th book, Equilibrium, 31 Ways to Stay Balanced on Life's Uneven Surfaces, is available now at www.chrismaxwell.me or Amazon, where you can find all of Chris's previous books as well. Our featured music is by Casual Americans. You can find their new musical releases at www.casualamericans.com or at your favorite music suppliers. We release Next Steps Leadership each Thursday, so join us again next week on The Next Step Journey, a conversation dedicated to helping you make your next step your best step. Oh my.